Welcome to A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library Podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And today we're talking to a musician, a singer, a songwriter, a guitarist, one of my favorite artists around the southeastern Michigan music scene and the grander, greater Michigan music scene, and also possibly on the planet, one of my favorite artists. Uh, her name is Danny Darling, also known as Danielle Davis, but Danny Darling is the moniker that this artist performs and writes and records under. It's also the name of her band. And she's been on, well, she's been, as you'll hear in our interview, pretty much singing for her entire life. But she's been on the, you know, local music scene and kind of on our radars and, and out there at the venues and the festivals, playing with the band and recording and being in studios kind of since 2017, as you'll hear in our interview. So, Danny Darling is an Ann Arbor-based artist, and there's some amazing songs to listen to on her Bandcamp, which we're going to be linking to in our show notes. Why, you might ask, is Danny Darling coming on the podcast? It's because Danny Darling is coming to our library, to the Ferndale Library, on Tuesday, June 13th, to perform an all-ages free concert in the early evening, kicking off our summer concert series. It's our annual summer concert series. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. The same organization that made this podcast possible they help us coordinate concerts uh we host you know we host concerts all throughout the year on a monthly basis you know during the colder months here in michigan we're, we're doing them indoors but when summertime gets here we like to go big and we like to get amazing artists just like danny darling to come and do a really special uh spectacular i would say outdoor summer shows so you're hearing this uh hopefully with enough time to mark your calendars for june 13th even if you're in the ann arbor area you know ferndale is not that far away if you're in ypsilanti ferndale is not that far away if you're in detroit we're right next door to you uh come on by june 13th and you'll get to hear the music of danny darling and i'm gonna splice some of the samples from some of her music into this podcast as you listen to our chat so here we go we started off talking about one of her most recent songs it's the title track from an ep called the future Good to see you. Good to see you too, Jeff. How's it been going? It's been a wild ride. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and continues to be so. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Every day, every day is, you know. A winding road. It is. <laughs> I can't remember who sang that, but who can't remember. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity to, to chat for the library's podcast. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. How are you, though? I'm doing really good. I'm excited for the summer. I'm excited for shows. I think it's going to be a really great summer. We're working on a really cool set and reimagining some things. So I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. It's usually it's always so much fun to just get up there and connect with people and play music and do what I love. So I think we're in a good, good space and a really good space right now. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
You know, I was thinking about, I, I often think about your song. I mean, the album itself, but your song, The Future. And I was thinking mm -hmm. about it again this morning. And mm -hmm. that is such a simple chorus and statement and mantra that the future is coming at us. And mm -hmm. I think about it often and how much it is able to encapsulate because you asked mm -hmm. me how I'm doing. And I think about the last three years, the last five years and mm -hmm. how your current present self never really ever seems ready for what the future is going to bring. Yeah. <laughs> and yet you, we get through it. Uh, we yeah. absorb it and mm -hmm. maybe it uplifts us and maybe it hurts us, but we mm -hmm. keep moving into the future and through the future yep. because it's always coming at us and yeah. it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. There was this mantra that, um, that I used to hear that was really like meaningful. It would say like, the dreams I seek are also seeking me. Yeah. And so I thought of it in that way, like, we could be looking towards the future, but the future is also coming at us, you know? So it's like the, th the thought that it's not always coming towards something or reaching for something, but something reaching at us too. So it's like that synchronicity of the, of back and forth, the way I think the universe plays out the way I, at least I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I hope you'll forgive me being a nerd and referencing Star Wars, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a corollary, but of course, uh, one of the things, and of course he said lots of things, but one of the things Yoda says, and I'm going to have to do it in Yoda speak, I, I'm afraid, always in motion is the future. Yes. So, oh my gosh. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so uh, welcome to the podcast, Danny Darling. It's so good Thank to you. see you. Can Thank you... you can you tell folks just a bit about your musical history? Because it kind of goes back to very, very young, right? What's yes. the story? I started very young singing. I'm an identical triplet. And um, we always, it was kind of like a built-in girl group, really. I think <laughs> um, <laughs> harmonizing was um, kind of, I think I learned how to do that before I learned like complex sentences. But um, Like three and four years old, like no, yeah, no, yeah. not exaggerating. Very early, yeah. very early. My grandmother used to take us to these um, these retirement homes and we were so little we'd have to stand on the chairs mm -hmm. so that everyone could see us. So <laughs> from a very young age, it was a lot of performing and um, singing in church, things like that. But I always had a really big... Um, a really big like mind for music also when it came to like uh school and uh learning violin and learning how to sight read and um vocal music and things like that so it was very much a gleek kind of such scenario um <laughs> growing up and then into college i was studying vocal music and i'm thinking hmm, i don't think i want to do opera mm -hmm. um so that's when things just kind of the road diverged i uh did backup in a reggae band for a while and joined a collective called the Black Opera, which is where I learned a lot about music business and um, the process of releasing music. But the whole time through all of that, I was always um, playing my guitar and kind of writing songs. And, and so by the time I got through with the Black Opera, I realized that I didn't want to just kind of like write songs to beats that are already like produced mm -hmm. I was like you know I'm really more of a singer songwriter so that's when I kind of branched off to start Danny Darling and it started with like open mics and it was kind of like the Wizard of Oz where like you know one person was like hey do you need a bass player and I was <laughs> like yeah then 
hey, you guys need a drummer? And then we had a drummer and then Joel came. And so it was like, you know, people just joining on on the road to Danny Darling. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably like 2017. Yeah. And um, it just, it was a runaway train from there. We just started saying yes to everything. Um, we wanted to get more practice and get out there. So it was just so many shows and then people started to notice us. Mm-hmm. And I think you were the first one that did the current magazine artist to watch. And that really kind of started a lot. So uh, thank you. Cause I feel like all the big milestones were uh, after you wrote about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I really, really appreciate that. But, so. but how could I not? Uh, but like, <laughs> go back and fill us in a bit. Like how old were you when you joined the black opera? So I took a while off of music altogether mm-hmm. to finish school. I had a daughter. I decided I wanted to, like, I was studying, like, my um, education is actually in literature. So, like, I was like, I'm going to write this novel that I've been, you know, the, the next great American novel, whatever. So I think through my 20s, um, that was kind of my focus. But again, I was cheating on my novel with my guitar and <laughs> doing covers along the way. I think by the time the the Black Opera happened, I think I was around around 30. And then I I was starting to think, okay, am I getting too old for this? But I I think what really ended up happening was I was better prepared for some of it um, because I had um, gone through certain things to get to that um, place where like with mental health and stuff that had to all kind of come together for me to be prepared Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. the busyness, the challenges of being a woman in the music industry, et cetera. So by the time the black opera happened, I was in my early thirties, 30, 31. And then I started Danny Darling probably about, um, 2017. So I was like into my getting into my early to mid thirties. So here we are in 2020, what is it? 2023. That's right. I'm in my late thirties now and it's feeling like it's been a really wild ride because things that I anticipated happening, um, happened and then other things happened that I really, you know, you really never do know what's coming around the corner or what future is coming at you, you know? Exactly. And I think that's why I was so tempted to start there for our conversation. (laughs) I also think that the conception of uh, late bloomer is all relative. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's that that idea of things are happening at exactly the time they maybe should be happening. So, yeah. What about guitar, though? When did you start playing guitar? Let's see. When did I start playing guitar? I picked up a guitar in college. Okay. I was living in Chicago. And um, I played violin, then I quit because I wanted to join show choir. Um, so, um, folks at home, she just did jazz hands. <laughs> I did, did, did do jazz hands. Um, so, I wanted to join show choir. I did all of that, music theater. And then in college, um, of course, I was doing my writing and things like that. I wanted to do, I was doing poetry at the time and short stories. And I was, you know, talking to my roommates. I'm like, guys, I need another artistic hobby i'm a gemini so i'm like i have to have a couple different things going on at once and i'm mm-hmm. like should i get a fancy camera and learn to do photography or should i get a guitar and they were like duh guitar like you're already singing all the time and i'm like i almost kind of wanted them to say the camera but i was like am i that like i think it was just very clear i was like all right yeah get, get the guitar so mm-hmm. i got a guitar and i knew nothing about how to play it I think I got a Coldplay book (laughs) and uh, tried to, you know, fill around and figure out some of those songs. And then 
I kind of discovered the tablature um, system of just kind of looking at the the charts Mm -hmm. and kind of the rest was history. I just kind of learned by learning songs that I liked and then thinking, okay, I like that chord, but what Mm -hmm. if I do this chord with it? And so then just the the rest just kind of followed. I'm still not, I wouldn't say that I'm like a a proficient guitarist, Mm -hmm. but I think that I play to write and I play to company. I'm a singer who off who plays guitar. Right. <laughs> That's the way I hear. Yeah. I was just thinking you must have had this this unconscious awareness that you knew you wanted to write songs and I'm thinking like okay, well she's singing all throughout her youth and she's doing all mm-hmm. this music, but mm-hmm. it's like you know it's this pre-written music, but then she yeah. wants to be a writer. Yep. But then she plays the guitar, but then she wants to be a writer, but then she wants to play the guitar. Oh, she's a songwriter. She's not yeah, a book writer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so it all comes together at the end. So yeah. that's it great. did take a while yeah. for, to, for the aha moment. Right. It really did. <laughs> so so um, t- talk a bit more about uh, starting uh, Danny Darling. I guess like how did it, you know, how how fun was it? How perhaps nervous was it to kind of first bring it out at like open mics for like the first time did it feel good was it oh it was (laughs) nerve-wracking i mean for sure because you know um i was always used to being in a trio you know like it was you know we got really um we would sing everywhere like you know uh we got a concerto and played for an orchestra and um at hill auditorium and and like you know we were in the newspaper but it was all very much like together don't like it's just you Right. You know, it's just the three of us. So I think going out there and playing a guitar that I'm like, I'm not really that good at this and and singing by myself, it definitely was nerve wracking at first. But it was like as soon as I got up there, I could kind of like lose myself in the music. And that's why really the first like year of playing, like I remember people would uh, take photos and they'd be like, I can't get any photos of you with your eyes open. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's because I would always be have my eyes closed. Yeah. Um, and it just took that, you know, kind of centering and kind of falling away from the crowd. Whereas, you know, in the trio, we were so used to engage, you know, engaging with others, mm-hmm. which that came along later. Yeah. Um, but it was very nerve wracking. But I think the first person who approached me was my best friend, Noor, and she's a bassist. And so it was it was very like, I think her energy was just like the perfect personality to start with because she was very like bohemian. She was uh, a U of M grad and um, we would practice in this loft in downtown Ann Arbor. And it was like kind of very like loose. We were just vibing and there were people all, all the time living there who were listening and stuff like that so it just really kind of became um an easy way to just play around and kind of um experiment Mm -hmm. and then uh chris joined us and he had a a big uh church background and once we had drums like we had a lot more structure and we were really kind of like already kind of off to the races and i think really quickly after that joel saw us perform at a pride uh show that we played and was like, do you need a guitarist? And I'm like, yes, we need a guitarist. <laughs> so I think, and then right after he joined, we we had gotten top of the park. It was so, it was like everything just kind of happened really fast uh, with getting shows after 
we had an actual band. And that's the thing, like um, someone, a younger artist uh, wanted to do an interview and asked me like, how do you, how do you do all these shows? How do you get this together? And I'm like, when I really thought about it, it's having a, an ensemble and having material to cover the time and being available and being reliable and showing up and saying, yes, it's really, that's really all you need. Cause I mean, there's been so many shows that I tried to curate where I'm like, okay, I know a lot of bands, but then right. you're like, you guys want to play? They're like, no, we're not, we're not booking right now. Or other people, well, no, you know, so I think really just us being available, willing, eager, having our set together, being dedicated was really what made it easy to start getting shows. Um, and playing a lot and then we started playing a lot and that was all very um very bonding it was very maybe a bit like a family and although we've had like you know at first i was like we're not going to be a revolving door band and we're going to stay together and that hasn't happened but i think um those early days are really really special to the danny darling story mm-hmm. and i think that you know, the reasons why every person went in a different direction was uh, for a good reason, because their music was taking them in a different way. And that was beautiful, too. So. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the that is really just the best advice is just generate momentum, maintain mm-hmm. that momentum yep. and things start happening. Yeah. You know, for um, sure. and by things start happening, that also includes you start mm-hmm. meeting people. So, yeah, you start meeting yep, more, more people. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't and stay in touch and, and support each other. Yeah. You know, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of music was being, I guess, played around the household when you were growing up? Like what was some of your early influences and how are there are there any influences you've maintained throughout that maybe still are with you in Danny Darling era? Um, it's hard to talk about influences because there are so many. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, as an Ann Arbor kid, I have influences from like, you know, gospel mm-hmm. to um, Motown, obviously. Sure. Uh, Sly and the Family Sloan, uh, Marvin Gaye was huge, uh, the Supremes. But then also, um, I was really into uh, like there was uh, Fiona Apple, like the sure. femme uh, movement in the 90s sure. was just important to me. And it was on both sides. You know, I loved Gwen Stefani, but I really love Mary J. Blige. And like, it's just like so much of the, I think the the female artistry was really, really important to me too. Um, but I think what really kind of changed kind of the trajectory of my art really was um, getting really into the American songbook kind of jazz era. Oh, yeah. Like, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, all of them, uh, Rosemary Clooney. I mean, all those old movies. My grandfather got us all these videotapes of all these like old movies, movie musicals. And then you would hear the different versions of them. Like you would hear um, Ella Fitzgerald sing Bewitched, Bewildered, Bewildered, and Bewildered. I can't get that song right, but you'd hear her do a song Mm -hmm. and then Frank did a song version and Mm -hmm. then you'd hear Rosemary Clooney do a version. And it was so cool. I felt because you could hear so many different people do the same song and it kind of immortalizes the song. Yeah. But then it also gives a, a, a different little flavor to each person. And I just thought that was so cool now in a, in a age where like covers are kind of like 
sometimes taboo. I think that's really what informed me being like, I really, I love originals, but I still like have a really, really strong like desire to do covers because mm-hmm. I just think that um, that was where I think some of the most be- beautiful music was coming out because people were all lending their own interpretations to, to songs. So yeah, that is a big influence to me now. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I really think you can kind of hear that, on, especially in the mm-hmm. early stuff, like on Mage. phrase it popped in my head of like the uh the genre of jazz being Mm -hmm. fluid enough to kind of also not really i mean to also be a style and a discipline yes but it's also jazz is it's it's its own vibe um Mm -hmm. and uh, i think you can hear that like before you get into uh the future era and elements of of rock and funk and and r&b come in you're kind Mm -hmm. of in that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Describe the mage era because it's so vibey and it's so atmospheric yeah. and trip hoppy. And, uh, yep. and that, that's and where you're that, that, back there, too, <laughs> <laughs> is the thing. Um, I think that was like um, I was coming out of like my really lo-fi era, which was kind of like uh, by necessity of like not really knowing as much about production, but right. really loving jazz and really loving like the, the stylization of the voice um, with like. Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday, like taking those vocal stylings and transporting it to um, kind of a lo-fi vibe. And so I think that was really um, what I wanted to do. And I was using like um, samples from um, old movie musicals or old movies. Like um, one of the samples is from this um, this 60s black and white film called Abu de Siffle. It just means breathless Mm -hmm. and it's the most beautiful movie (laughs) and it's got this really lush like orchestral part where she's walking through um through paris and she's you know selling the new york herald tribune and it's like that song just i never got over it and i was like how do we put this in the song so i think it's just like i wanted to have that cinematic um edition and that cinematic flavor to what was kind of lo-fi and jazzy already. So I think what was what I was trying to do was make it feel like a modern take on some of those old movies. Like you could see something like kind of being in black and white, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of my influence for Mage, especially since it was at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I don't know, there was just so much time to think and ponder and be lost in your imagination. and. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that both of those EPs kind of came out during that time, it was really interesting because one kind of felt very black and white to me. Mm-hmm. And then the next one felt very like ultra color. So mm-hmm. and and then talk about getting into the future and just the distinction between uh, yeah. how you were feeling, your mindset, your approach, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that during at the beginning of the pandemic and that's when I wrote S&M and uh, Mage was finishing up and 
um, everything shut down. You know, mm-hmm. I had gotten the uh, Metro Times artist to watch. We did the photo shoot. I shaved the size of my head. <laughs> and then, you know, lockdown. And then mm-hmm. it was like, I was so anxious. I already had anxiety, but I was so incredibly anxious. I'm like, what's going to happen? It's so uncertain. Like, are we all going to be okay? Like, and I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was pull my guitar out and start doing, like I said, covers. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, what are the kind of covers that make me feel better in in these kind of times? Mm -hmm. And so I was doing like 70s really kind of, I was like, duh, Bill Withers, like lean on me and like what the world needs now and like things like that, like that people really kind of started to gravitate to. Stand by me. Yeah, stand by me. Yeah. So the the 70s was it kind of reappeared to me as an era. I was like, huh, yeah. I love this because really it was a lot of positive music coming out during that time. It was things that people all like kind of responded to, took their mind off of it. People started looking for the covers. And so I think in that way, whereas a lot of artists at the beginning of the pandemic kind of shut down trying to figure out what to do i just kept playing covers and and doing music because i didn't know you know we're stuck at home what else is there to do so i think that is what kind of propelled me to the um, amplify fellowship so once i got the amplify fellowship later that fall it was like all of a sudden i had all these resources (laughs) and i'm like okay if i have all of this money and all of this time because you know everybody's still at home and so i was like i want to do something probably bigger and more lush and let's start with the 70s so um then i you know i also went on a trip with my uh, best friend and we listened to pink floyd dark side of the moon and i was just like okay this has to be 70s themed like everything you know bright color lush arrangements etc so it kind of was like an homage to the 70s in general where it was like i did the proggy rock i did a disco song one was um one was uh just like completely psychedelic Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was just like each one kind of reminded me and then of course the funk song so like it was like all the different all the different facets of the 70s that really just that I loved. I feel like there were could have probably been five more different parts of the 70s that I uh, that I addressed. But after a point, we were just like, OK, we're done. This is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, so that's what happened with the future was that, you know, the 70s really spoke to me at the beginning of the pandemic. So then I, I kind of laid into it and then spoke back. Oh, so. that's incredible. And the results, yeah. the results were incredible. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And I. <laughs> You know, I'm just thinking out loud and, you know, a, a podcast is where else but a podcast could you do some armchair philosophizing. But like I mm-hmm. think about the 70s mm-hmm. and I think about the tumultuousness of the 60s yep. and I feel like a, what a lot of those 70s songs are tapping into or starting from is mm-hmm. an is an energy of, well, OK, where do we go from here? Right. Uh, and that kind of uncertainty of where do we go from here? And then leaning into the positive Mm -hmm. as a bit of propulsion. Like Mm -hmm. if you're asking that question, where do we go from here? I kind of feel like, I don't know, this was maybe in your own head. I get, again, it's a pandemic, it's a quarantine. Mm -hmm. You maybe unconsciously, where do we go from here? And that music that you made on the future does tap exactly into that positive propulsiveness because we're Mm -hmm. not sure what's gonna happen, but we want to move forward. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I remember as a kid, I, I'm dating myself now, but um, I used to watch Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And so like <clears throat> Sesame Street, I was like mid eighties baby. So Same. Sesame Street was still like kind of a thing. And yeah. so there was still some seventies influence there. They're like, I still felt like I, I got a little, I wasn't in the seventies, but there was still some linger. Yeah. Um, by the time I was a kid watching those like old, like Mr. Rogers um, and things like that. So I just really felt like there was just a whole kind of positive, sunny, like vibe around, um, around that era uh, for me. So yeah, it did seem very, like if I was thinking what's positive or what are mm-hmm. people going to know? That's what I, I kind of first came to my mind, you know? So. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I, I almost wonder, you know, you're, you're coming out of your, coming out of the trio era and you're just mm-hmm. solo Danny at, in 2017 mm-hmm. leading up to, to mage. Maybe that, mm-hmm. maybe the thinking is where do I go from here? Because it's no yeah. longer trio. Where do I go from here? Then with future, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where does Danny go next? Uh, uh, I know that's the question. I know. I do have a concept. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I think it's going to have to go backwards again, um, because I think even though like Mage was, um, you know, it was like the jazzy, like almost like the 40s, 50s sounds and things like that. I think that for me lately, ever since like getting uh, diagnosed with MS and like things slowing down and me actually not doing music for a while and then realizing, okay, things are worse when I don't do music. So, um, but it's like, I think um, like when I was first, when I first had my first like, like incident with my MS, I was in Paris and my sister was a flight attendant. So I went with her and she's like, okay, the flight back is full. So you have to stay another day. And I was like, okay. And at the same time, I'm like, am I talking weird? Is this, you know, she's like, yeah, something's a little off, but like, you know, what are you going to do? I didn't know what was going on yet. So I'm wandering through Montmartre in Paris. And it's almost like I was in a dream, like everything felt like this blurred, like it it was like I was almost like in a dream and I was listening to this music and all of a sudden, like all of these like um, kind of bossa nova 60s like um, compositions, like Italian um, composers Mm -hmm. um, that had made this this movie music. Um, And so I felt like I was in a dream. And then when I got back from from Paris and then had the episode at Willis Show Bar and then I went to the ER and found out, okay, I have multiple sclerosis, that whole period, it just kind of felt like that music was what kind of um, kind of grounded me or made me feel like even though things were going really, really bad, like I still had that memory of feeling like that dream-like um, kind of it, experience and the music that I was listening to. So I really want to kind of circle back to the 60s, I think, and um, approach it from a different way that's maybe not lo-fi, but um, in a way kind of in the same way as the the future, kind of touch on uh, some of the different factors of the 60s that i really liked (laughs) so we'll see how that turns out sounds like it's still going to be groovy there will be a groove there will be Mm -hmm. a groove for sure and a vibe but yeah and your voice though you know i mean i'm so 
like what like what an intense stressful time but you know mm-hmm. i hate to kind of put this cheesy bow on it but like the idea of like you still wanted to hold on to music and mm-hmm. more I mean, even more than that that holding on to music was going to at least help you a yeah. bit or yeah. ground you as you said so mm-hmm. uh draw strength from music but again no matter where you go no matter what you do no matter what genre you do your your voice is always this bedrock it's always a foundation and <laughs> i think it's you know you go back to 2017 and you were talking about the yellow brick road i think that's what people were always drawn to so mm-hmm. uh don't stop singing <laughs> chance <laughs> as long as i can yeah I girl come up to me and i said she said her mom said she wants to be a singer it was after a show and i was like you want to be a singer and she's like yeah and i was like that's so special because you have an instrument you can take with you and you always have it yes. always whenever wherever you are what, whatever you're doing you can always have it so that's the beauty of it is that it's the instrument you never have to go without I mean, except for like laryngitis or an encounter with the sea witch, but <laughs> so. Danny, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Looking forward Thank to the show. Me. Yeah, of course. Uh, so folks who are listening, you have plenty of time to mark your calendars. Come to see us on June 13th at 6.30 p.m. in the library courtyard. Uh, yes, it's going to be a vibe. It's going to be groovy. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Danny. Thank you. See you soon. And that was my chat with the artist known as Danny Darling, a.k.a. Danielle Davis from the Ann Arbor music scene with some amazing music out there on Bandcamp. Again, you'll find the links in our show notes. She'll be here with her band at the Ferndale Library performing uh, part of our summer concert series. In fact, kicking off the summer concert series. She's the first show of the year, June 13th at 6.30 p.m. More info about that in the show notes. You've listened to another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about this show, and we especially thank John Duffy for giving us music to open and close each episode, and we thank the friends of the Ferndale Library, too. And we thank you, too, for listening. Tune in next week for more.